Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Hi everyone, it's Mark Stenson. Our podcast is supported by Design Hill. Design Hill is the world's number one creative marketplace that caters to the creative needs of businesses and individuals alike. You can source high quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. Listen later in the episode for a special offer and a discount code. And today we're going to unlock your world to think about business analytics, development, security, identification, all of these things to really protect our work and protect our identities as we're out in the digital world. And I'm so happy to have my creative guest today from New York, Jason Marawi. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Jason, tell us a little about yourself and then we'll get into your company. So my name is Jason. I am by default a product manager. I'm also a consultant. I do a lot of freelance work and I fell in love with the startup world. And a few years later, here I am. Our company is starting to pilot some new software out and ID verification. So we can verify your driver's license, your ID totally anonymously without taking any of your personal details. We do it really well, really fast. And so we're just trying to build new products right now and put them out to the world. And a lot of that comes down to creativity. We got to think outside the box for an outside of the box product. Absolutely. And Jason, what, what drove this idea? In other words, what, what in the marketplace did you see a need for verifiable ID software and things like that? Yeah. I mean, just in the highest form of your digital identity, just like you have a username somewhere, a password, a login, an IP address, right? These are little tidbits of your identity online. The reason you go online is to exchange ideas and information. And verifying your identity is very important if you want to start transacting, transacting with monetary value, buying certain things or signing up for certain services like your Airbnb, your Coinbase. So they're really becoming ingrained parts of the consumer's life these days. It's all about convenience and getting more and more access to services on your computer at home, you mm -hmm. know. I guess there's benefits to both sides of that transaction, but do you feel like your target is the, the merchant, the client, the business, or the individual that wants to either verify or protect their identity? So we're, we're a B2B startup. That's our, that's our business model. We target the businesses. But our pitch to businesses is really, hey, we'll do your verification better. We'll, we'll keep you more secure. We can be more affordable too. But at the same time, we can give you all the data that you also want about your customers without offending your customers' privacy, right? And it's a win-win pitch to the businesses where we tell them, hey, we can give you everything you want while also protecting the consumer. So it's a consumer rights, privacy rights win in our book. And, and that's really what we're trying to do, but also do it in a business way where we target anywhere from retailers um, to government, to supply chain, 
I mean, there's so many places where identities are used. I mean, just going into your job, sometimes you got to punch in your ID. So the pitch is to everybody. <laughs> well, I want to get into the pitch in one second, but let's talk about the creative process yes. of developing this. Because I think you know, some people, especially we, I say artists, but we creative types almost have a feel like, well, developers, they're just over there coding you know, as yeah. if there's no creativity in it. But I bet you would beg to differ. Oh, absolutely. Getting masterful at any one thing in life, you have to be an artist to some extent, right? Mastery requires artistic talent. And that's my opinion. For example, yes, there are developers who you tell them, hey, I need this done. They've, you know, trained and regurgitate that information and get something done. But then when there's a problem, they'll raise their hand and say, hey, I can't do this. This is a problem. The creative types, which are rare, they will actually propose solutions. And if they can't propose solutions, they'll tell you what is the like what is the exact nature of the problem and ask get consensus from their peers about how to solve each piece. And really you're putting together a puzzle in your own mind, right? You're saying, "Here here's the puzzle, here are the pieces, and let's work together to solve it." If that's not creativity, I don't know what is. Uh, so true. And then what about the creative process that you've been using to make yeah. some of those pitches? As a small startup, we, we live or, or die by our ability to innovate on the fly. So as a small startup, we don't have a proven track record. We don't have celebrity endorsements. We don't have millions of dollars in revenue. So how do you go and pitch a security product specifically to companies that may rely on that security product? And this is something I've been learning very recently. It's made a huge impact once I like really got this. So it's really about gamesmanship. You know, when you're a kid and you're like, hey, I want to go out to my friends. You ask your mom and your mom's like, well, go, if your dad, go ask your dad and see what he says. And you go to your dad and you say, hey, mom said I can go out if you say I can go out. So you're leveraging one against the other in order to get what you need. And it's the same concept in startup world. You might be talking to a big investor or a big enterprise and they're like, yeah, we're interested and we're not sure it's your job to quickly identify what does it take for a yes oh if you get a partnership with a police department we'll say you're in partnership with us fantastic right and then you go to the police department and you say hey we have a partnership with a huge company let's let's go let's do this and they're like oh you have a big partnership that's awesome and then you get it get it going and then from there it's a snowball effect right and you just keep leveraging you work your way from the ground up a big big part of being successful there is ordering. Our product is out of the box, has many, many, many vertical use cases. And, and to some, that's a blessing. To others, it's a curse because mm. the, who do I target first, right? What's the lowest hanging fruit? And, and that sometimes takes a lot of time. What we had to do is kind of test, you know, like the big customers, what's their response, test different industries, like retail might have some needs, different states, right? We targeted some liquor stores in New York, the laws on selling to underage minors, yes, there's laws, but if you get fined, you pay your fine. In Massachusetts, they might take away your liquor license. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of figure out who is our customer, what's the slice, right? And th that is also a puzzle. So we're, we're trying to figure out, we have so many options, what's the order? What's the right sequence? And, and that's a continuous game. You learn new information every day, you, you make mistakes, but you got to quickly iterate on it. And that itself, I think it requires a ton of 
creativity. Well, the iteration part. Yeah, for sure. You got to listen, respond, adjust. Absolutely. And, and part of it too is exposure. So like when I came into this, I had a lot of technical know-how, knew nothing about sales, knew nothing about marketing. I realized something is people could be really good at something and just have no exposure to it. And it's our job as the CEO is, you know, we can't tell someone, hey, go sell this for me if you haven't done it yourself. You can't tell someone, go market this for me, go pitch this for me when it's not their baby. You have to get quickly exposed to things that are outside of your comfort zone. And you have to learn to quickly become good enough at it to be dangerous. And then once you're dangerous, you learn, you adjust, you adapt, and you have to go quickly, right? If you take too long, startup dies. You run out of money, you run out of runway, you miss your timing in the market, which is critical. Getting exposed to as much as you can, as quickly as you can, absorbing that information, reacting to it, innovating. You're not just innovating. I didn't just create a, a new product that's really innovative. We also have to innovate in our marketing strategy and how we sell to customers. How, when do we raise money? Everything is an innovation because there's no guidebook for early startups. How do you go from early startup in this industry to a massive monster? You write the rules. That in itself is a huge challenge, but it's, it's fun. Yeah, so, uh, I feel the enthusiasm. Uh, and Jason, thinking about your background and your, yeah. your upbringing, your early career, what drove this entrepreneurial spirit? Because some people say, oh, you got to be born with it, you know, and you certainly seem like this came, if not natural to you, you certainly picked it up. Uh, yeah, I, I actually don't know if I picked it up or it's natural, right? It was, here's my story. So my parents, they're Lebanese immigrants. They came to the U.S. looking for a better life from a war-torn country. Moved to Canada. I was, I was born in Canada, in Halifax. Moved to Ontario. Came to the U.S., North Carolina. Lived here for a few years. Moved around a lot. So never, never really got roots, right? The roots is always the home base, the family. And they came from a war-torn country. So they're very, they, they sheltered us a lot. So I'm, I'm always into my studies as a kid. And we moved from North Carolina to Chicago. And once I hit high school, we moved to Nice in France. My dad's an engineer, expat, moved there, learned a ton, right? Different cultures. It's an international school that I went to. So once I came time to college, I went to NYU Stern and my family went to Dallas. My dad worked for Texas Instruments. So he went back to home base. And I've been here ever since. And so when, when I got to New York, I realized I've seen a lot, but I knew nothing. And I admitted that. I was like, hey, I don't know the world, right? I, I know I've seen it. I know how it kind of works. I know how the cogs turn, but I don't know how to interact here. I, I, there's things I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. I've never been out, right? My parents always kept me sheltered. You don't go out, whatever, right? And so I came to New York and that's I just learned to be like, you know, who I am. And I used my call, what I've seen to have perspectives on things, solve problems, right? Like the, the, I knew how to solve problems, but I didn't know what the problems were. And so now I'm coming back. There's this dichotomy a bit, but I'm willing to learn. I had my eyes open. And once that happened, I, I caught the entrepreneurial bug. I realized I want to make a footprint in this world in some way. And to do that, I got to be super optimistic, but I also got to be really grounded in reality. I have to take reality into account. There's dreaming and then there's making that dream a reality. That's how I, mean, I, I live entrepreneurship. Some, for some people, it's a job. 
For some people, it's a way of life. For me, it's a way of life. Well, to have the vision and yet be grounded. That is a dichotomy, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. Um, and, and you see a lot, like if you read a lot of articles, you, you see sometimes you have like the early startup. It's very technical. They get some success, some investment. But then, you know, they replace the CEO. He's a technical guy, right? Or you have those, uh, you know, visionaries that like get the product to market, but then they kind of struggle after an IPO. Yes. Right? Because their skill set is, 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 is in, a, in a lane, in a boundary. And for me, I'm trying to like just learn the whole gamut. This whole thing is a learning experience, but it's also high stakes. My business, my I've invested every penny I have into this. I don't recommend anybody do this bad idea, but I believe well, in it so Jason, much. You would be amazed how many entrepreneurs have come on this very show and said, I mean, I hacked everything. If there was a stick of furniture left in my house, I would sell it and put it into the company. <laughs> So there is this all in mentality sometimes. And it sounds like that's been part of your drive too. Yeah. And this all in mentality has to be grounded though, right? You can't be just pie in the sky. That's how people lose fortunes and mm -hmm. it has to be grounded. There has to be an increment. I, I know a lot of founders in my sphere and I see a lot of times the key to failure, like why it fails. Yeah. You could say it's money or market fit. Yeah. But the question is, when do you find that out? And, and the problem is, is their increment between when they like envision something and they get feedback is too long. It's taking them too long to fail. If you fail quickly, too, quick enough, you can always pivot. And I find myself pivoting accidentally. We'll be right back with our interview here on Unlocking Your World of Creativity. But first, a reminder of the discount that I promised you at the beginning of the show from Design Hill. You can get an exclusive 25% off of Design Hill's Logo Maker service. Just use the code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember, the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. And now back to our interview. My first pivot accidental pivot. We had first started our business trying to target nightlife and hmm. pandemic hit. And, you know, we had this product ready. We're going to a conference and then March rolls around and everybody's locked in. We realized quickly, like, Hey, we, we can't wait for something out of our control to mm -hmm. wrap itself mm -hmm. up. I, I wouldn't be a, a good business operator if I rely on some outside source. So I had to pivot and we realized, Hey, this product is really good. There's a solution around it because in nightlife, we allow them to tag people that's come into the venue to where, what event they're going. And we build like an analytics profile, like, Hey, you, your average customer age 20 to 25 likes punk rock on Wednesdays. So you get like a really bird's eye view. So it's ID verification plus data. And we realized that, Hey, to get the broadest market adoption, instead of investing in a single market, which there could be some, you know, another pandemic or something shuts it down. Sure. Let's focus on the core technology, get that out, and then find the, uh, the businesses or the markets that are most attuned to it. Somebody somewhere needs ID verification. That's really good. Here we are uh, about six months, nine months after that. We started our sales efforts. We, we literally took a scientific approach. And scientific doesn't mean non-creative either. You still have to come up with the strategy and the tactics. Tactically, you might be operating on a technical level, but sometimes the high level, the decision-making to do something requires creativity. You have to have conviction. And to have conviction, you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. 
So we just started, you know, breaking down who's our customer. Why? What, what is there a geographic distinction? Is there, you know, is there someone in our network we could reach out to get our foot in the door? We are launching next week our first pilot for 11 stores, the liquor stores. It's like a chain in Boston. Uh, it's called Cappies. I think I'm allowed to say that now. It's fantastic. Our product's finally going to the world. We're going to be able to say our product powers the business. And even better than that, I know I'm going to be able to leverage this product and say, hey, we work. Like it, it, it works. And so when I go to big companies and they're like, huh, not too sure, I got a response for them now. I'm prepared. Now you, now you have a pilot case study. That's true. Yeah. Well, Jason, I'm also curious as you were talking about, you know, collaborators and connections, but you were describing about your personal journey about having global connections, global experience, and yeah. even cross-cultural experiences. And even what a lightning bolt it was for you to go from this sheltered upbringing to this, wow, now I'm in New York City. There's no shelter. <laughs> You're going to be bombarded on all sides. But I mean, from Nice, France, to Halifax, to Dallas, to New York, all points in between. How has that global perspective and experience informed what you're doing today? Where do you think all those global ingredients have come to play for you? I mean, I, th I think the biggest impact is me seeing things here in my daily life in New York and not thinking that this is the only way it's done. That there are other countries, other places, other cultures, even other states that do, that they have their own processes for the same thing and it's done totally differently. I think the, the biggest blocker to creativity is saying, thinking it's a no. You have to take out all of the kind of the block, these sort of things like the status quo that you think, hey, this is immovable. I cannot change the way retailers scan IDs in stores, or I can't change the way I go get a document notarized. I have to go to a post office and get it done. And you think this is the way it's done. When you go in Europe, they have a totally different system. They go to the grocery store, they're paying in checks. Checks, right? I mean, when's the last time you wrote a check? I don't, I don't write checks. <laughs> I've, I've never seen a checkbook here. So just understanding that other developed and, and sometimes non-developed countries have totally different systems for the same thing. And they have different constraints. Like in Africa, um, they don't have internet everywhere. And a lot of them are underbanked. They want to bring banking to phones, but sometimes they don't have service. So th there's opportunities there to think outside the box for a solution that maybe won't even work here. And so understanding like the cultural aspect, like where what is this culture like here? What is this culture like maybe overseas in Europe or in Africa or in the Middle East, how do they do things? Maybe a solution worked there, wouldn't work here. Once you do that, you're kind of rewiring your brain a little bit. You're learning that things that are don't necessarily have to be. And that's really the, the essence of creativity. I mean, you, you have to think that there's a way to create something new. And I can't tell you how many women first started and we pitched our idea, family, friends. A lot of people said, oh, that's, that's too good of an idea. It's already been done. Right. It must be have somebody it must, must have already done. Yeah. <laughs> somebody must have already done this because it's such a good idea. I'm like, this is why you don't have the entrepreneurial spirit. You're not a creative. Because you don't know it hasn't been done yet. Yeah. I, love, I mean, I love that's, that. that was an indicator for me actually to do it, not to not do it. It was an indicator for me to do it. So and this is something I, I, I'm still learning every day is you have to kind of let everything flow through you. 
you can't get affected or too tunnel vision in what you're experiencing or what you feel. You have to feel an emotion, but you have to kind of keep everything like in balance. And it, it's part of like entrepreneurial spirituality. I know some, you know, putting capitalism and the spiritualism together is weird, but it's, it's a interesting kind of dynamic. Once you get to a certain point where you're, you're healthy as a, as a human being, the creativity actually reduces uncertainty. Like you're, you're able to have conviction in things that you might not know. They're uncertain, yes, but you have conviction in them. And the flip side of that is that the uncertainty is really the reason why a lot of people stress. Why do you stress about something? It's because you don't know, like, how I'm going to do this. How am I going to get through this? Do I have enough energy to, to do this work? Right? And you stress. And the thing is, Stress is just a response to the unknown or something that you feel like you don't want to experience or you think you can experience. And in that sense, the creativity is really liberating. You know, there's some dark times in the startup, you know, once I started and I was like, should I be doing this? This is so hard. What that meant really was what I'm doing is not sufficient and I need to go and discover a better way to do it. And the thing is, sometimes that's uncertain too. So you have to kind of break the cycle. Mm -hmm. um, but so I had the sense that you're feeling that creativity uh, liberates you from some of that, knowing that you do have the creativity to solve whatever, pro whatever problem comes your way. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, listeners, my guest is Jason Marawi. His company is Vyer Technologies. It's V-Y-Y-E-R. And Jason, before we close, I want to be sure that you give people a chance to find out where to connect with you and learn more about your company and your work. Yeah, sure. You can go to vyer.com. That's V-Y-Y-E-R.com. You can learn about us. We got a white paper on there. You can also reach me at Jason, J-A-S-O-N at Vire, B-Y-Y-E-R.com. And also a big shout out to our sister company, Bestow, and uh, Jack, the CEO over there. He's a really cool guy and I, I love working with him. So I just want to give him a quick shout out. All right. Sounds good. Jason, as an entrepreneur, I always think about the close of a pitch. There's yeah. an ask. You know, you, you can't talk to a customer, you can't talk to a potential investor without figuring out the ask. Mm -hmm. So here we are in a podcast platform and, you know, thousands of listeners. What is your ask? Is there something you're looking for, a collaborator, a referral, an investment? What is it that you feel like you need that if there was one listener that connected with you, what would that be? We're, we're looking for customers. Uh, I, I, investors, they come later. I focus on the customers, right? It's all about customers, all about getting, you know, your product out there. So if there's anyone who knows a customer or is a customer or just wants to share their brain power and talk, I mean, I'm totally open. I mean, that's the funnest part. It's just riffing with, yes. your, uh, with your fellow peers. So And describe uh, that customer. So if I saw one this afternoon, I'd know what they look like. A liquor store, uh, a retailer doing returns. There's also gas stations, online services. I mean, anything like renting a home online, getting some document signed remotely, anywhere where your ID gets scanned as a consumer, you need to know online that your information is likely being saved or sent to a third party. And as a consumer, if you're not happy with that, let them know about Vire and uh, we'll, we'll gladly come in and, and help them out. 
Well, listeners, you can learn more about Jason and his company. I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. Jason, really appreciate the conversation. I've enjoyed, like I said, your enthusiasm, but also your, I, I love the combination of the words that you bought. We always say entrepreneurial spirit, but you've added that extra piece, the entrepreneurial spirituality, that there is this higher calling that you can bring to it. I like that combination. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate the time you've given me here on your platform. Well, listeners, come back again for our next episode. We're going to continue our around-the-world exploration of creativity because, as Jason highlighted here, it's that global experience, global exposure, global mindset that brings us the collaborators and the creativity that we need. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. Thanks again to our sponsor, Design Hill, the world's number one creative marketplace for business and individuals, where you can access high quality designs from professional designers and unique products created by independent artists. You can get 25% off of Design Hill's logo maker service. Just use the discount code WF25. The link is in the show notes. And remember the offer is valid through November 30th, 2021. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.